How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Play ball! It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back on this episode. As baseball sits in the middle of a work stoppage with the end not currently in sight, we have a conversation with former big leaguer Rico Bronia on a number of relevant topics. Bronia, a first-round draft pick in 1988 by the Tigers, played nine seasons in the majors, mostly with the Mets and Phillies, but also briefly with the Tigers, Red Sox, and Braves. A slick-fielding first baseman with a lefty power stroke, in the 1990s, Brony had four seasons of 20 or more homers and two seasons with 100-plus RBIs. Physical toll of a degenerative spinal condition ended his career in 2001 at age 31. Brony has spent the last 20 years in various roles in sports, in addition to managing, coaching, scouting, and player development for several organizations He's also worked as a high school and college football coach. In 2014 and 15, Bronia was an information coach with the Angels, helping Mike Sosha utilize and disseminate analytic information to the players on a daily basis, pretty common position on coaching staffs these days. In 2021, Bronia managed the low-A Stockton Ports in the Oakland A's organization, and it was there that he saw firsthand the positive effects of a pitch clock and what it could mean to the future of Major League Baseball. And it just so happens that in the most famous and destructive work stoppage in baseball history, the 1994 strike that canceled a World Series and leaked into the next year, Bronio was a young player rep in the union. It's here where we start his perspective a quarter century later on that strike and on this current MLB lockout. Bronio offers thoughts on the young player's mindset, the unified front of the player's union, and a somewhat surprising take on what the union wants most to get younger players into the higher end of the pay scale faster. And it just so happens that Bronia played with a couple of potential Hall of Famers who are currently on the ballot. We'll discuss that too. For thoughts on all that and more, here is my conversation with Rico Bronia. Rico, the first thing I want to ask you is now that we're into January, you know what the feeling is like being a player 
who's in a work stoppage with spring training a month away. Situation was a little bit different because the players were on strike in 1994-95. So yep. you had some control over the situation, so to speak. Uh, right now, it's an owner's locking out the players situation. So there's a difference. Right. But in general, what are players feeling right now as you're sitting in January and you're starting to get that feeling, you're starting to work out, you're starting to get your yep. body ready for spring training. And a month from now, you want to be in spring training, but there's a lot of uncertainty, especially with unsigned players too. But this is yep. feeling in general of a player who doesn't know if he's going to get to start spring training in a month. Yeah, it's a very um, awkward feeling. There's no doubt once you turn the corner, once those college football games are played on January 1st, even though that's extended now to a championship game, but usually right after new year's, literally like today in the calendar on the calendar year, uh, you're, you're starting more baseball activity. You know, pitchers are starting to play catch again. Hitters might go to the cage, you know, up until that point, it's a lot of healing your body and then starting to re-strengthen it and, and get it ready physically. Once you turn the corner of new year's, I know mo generally speaking, most players go about it that way. So I don't think they'll change right now. I think that whole thing will stay the same, but that cloud or, you know, whatever you want to call it above, you know, above their head of what's going to happen, um, especially if you don't have a team at this time is definitely um, not fun. And you have to, athletes are good at blocking things out and really just focusing on the task at hand, or at least the good athletes are. So um I think the good ones will still just go about their business and anticipate, but, but it, it, that said swing, I mean, this thing could be long. It could be, this is not, I don't, I think they've been getting ready both sides for this fight for years now. So whether that, that could be good that they could come to an agreement because they've been preparing, or it could be that it's going to be, you know, pretty much a battle. So we'll see. But. If you think back to 1995, in January, you guys had already been on strike for five months already. Right. The postseason had been wiped out and everyone was kind of in this like nuclear winter kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But again, this is a player strike that back then. So it was a different right. situation a little bit. What was it hard as you were as you were talking to people because you were a players rep? Was it hard to maintain this united front? Did you get a sense that there were cracks in the union at that point? Well, we that was the whole deal for us. Again, I think big point you brought up there, Swain, about, you know, this is uh, being locked out compared to a strike. I mean, that is one of the reasons I think the owners did that is because they want to give players the leverage of a strike. Anyway, it's a strategic, tactical, whatever you want to call it. But there is a difference. There's no doubt, you know, being an, I was an assistant player rep and then worked toward being player rep in both New York with the Mets and in Philadelphia. So I got to be on some inside meetings and it was a fascinating educational process. And then I've worked in the front office. So I've seen kind of both sides of this whole deal. Um, but from the perspective of a lockout slash strike from a player's rep point of view, and I don't know, I think the whole thing about leverage is important. Who's got the, we always thought about who's, you know, who's got the hammer, so to speak. And the players had, don't have a lot of hammers. Uh, if, uh, uh, you know, using that analogy, really striking is one of them. And the owners basically in a strategical, tactical, strategical move took that away. Uh, so, but if they go to court, you know, they can complain, well, we got locked out. So there's still a lot of things going on that going back to the 
were we divided, which is your essential question. Sorry, I got off on a tangent there. Um, we got very united under Donald Fear because he brought us together consistently. And then he got the teams together consistently, made sure we had calls all the time. And he was quick to point out that the only way we don't get something accomplished is if we break, if we get fractured, if we divide. And one thing that he they, they capitalized on that I'm, uh, I'm sure they're trying to now on the player side so they don't fracture is take advantage of the competitive spirit of an athlete. Almost put it in the form of a competition because when you compete as a team with one goal and now you're all together, we're not playing the Yankees, playing the Red Sox, playing the Mets, playing the, we're all one and you're, that's a 800 to a thousand guys or whatever. Man, that could be, that's what kept us together and strong. Now we got, this is a long story, but we had, uh, I was in the meeting in Florida. They had the meeting in Florida and we had the other half in Arizona players back then. And I was in the meeting in Florida uh, with the Mets, you know, one of the representative when there was a big thing with the Phillies fallout. Like when Lenny Dykstra got up and spoke, you know, we should give in or give in to these certain things, not give in, but give in certain ground, certain areas that eventually the players all understood that would fracture us completely. I mean, there was World War III right in front of us. I mean, I never saw players get so fired up at each other and in about a half hour, 45 minutes, become so united. So, you know, Darren Dalton, Lenny Dykstra, the Phillies crew were kind of on their own, but at the same time, and I became friends with all those guys, so they were great guys, nothing about that. It's just that they they quickly realized, oh no, I got to get together with the entire player. Players aren't all here, and they were at the end of it, end of the day, very competitive and very much part of wanted to be part of a team. Long way of saying that's what the owners will definitely try to do is divide them. What? How? How divisive is the the salary structure within the players itself? I mean, in 94, 95, you're a young player making around league minimum. And it's not, it wasn't as big a gap then. The highest paid players were making right. probably like five, six million. Uh, now you got players making 30 million. You got players making, you know, the, the league minimum. Right. Is, is right. Little, it, it's a big gap. Um, yes. And there are a lot of players and I'm sure there are families who are saying, mm-hmm. you know, are we really not going to have a paycheck <laughs> in a month or so? Like yeah, what's pressure. How, how is that dynamic? Well, it's a great point, Swain, because there's pressure. It's another way to, you know, get, get a little bit of the, try to get the players to fracture, divide, if you will. Now, the owners, in my humble opinion, not knowing anything, I'm not tied into anything this time around, um, just seeing it from the outside. Um, they gave a lot of big contracts, a flurry of them in the last couple of weeks, right before it went on. Well, that, that does a couple of things. It, say, it says to the courts, you know, we're paying players. I mean, they're getting paid. Uh, and it's granted, it's only a handful of guys, but it's big bucks. And then at the same time, now those players want that money. <laughs> they right. didn't sign that deal to not get it, mm-hmm. right? It's 30 million. They could say, well, I could give up some, but now all of a sudden if you strike or lock out and you prolong the whole process, you know, those are big dollars that families are not getting. I mean, you know, the key for us way back then was they did a great job, the Player Association, of putting some money away. So we got some money from time to time and it was purposely put in the way in the pot for that, you know, for that reason. So again, I'm not on the inside right now knowing those particulars with the players or the owners, but there's no doubt 
that there's a lot of educated people on both sides of this process. Tony Clark is great, brilliant. They're, you know, and Manford, the, 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 brilliant. So they've used all these experiences, the Lords of the Realm, going back to that book, right? I think it was the 1980s or 1980s. Okay. I mean, terrific read, by the way, uh, you know, um, anyways, that this, this is a, um, a situation where they've gone to school for 50, you know, more years. And uh, there's so much money. You could say, look at it two ways. The players want, you know, all that, all their contract money, the families do, but they have enough where they can give some away. So there's kind of that, that give and take um, both sides can make all these trillions, you know, billions of dollars, trillions, perhaps with media, but that also makes them want more of it. So there's really the same old argument and the general public, you know, the fans, it's just not going to be, they're really going to have a tough time seeing the, what the two sides see. Do you remember did the union leadership and the older players at the time, um, find a way to explain to you as a younger player, not making a lot of money, why you were in this fight and why it was important for you to stand yeah. your ground, even though you weren't in the same situation as, yeah. I don't know, like David Cohn, Bobby Benio, whoever's yeah. Money back then. Yeah. Yeah. Another great point. Um, yes. And I had that history and traditional, you know, most young players, um, or at least they should be brought into their game by the game by the veterans with the, with all they've been through being poured onto them, the young guys. And I got that. Maybe it was because I got, I was fortunate enough to be in big league camp at age 18 and 19 with Alan Trammell, Jack Morris, Lou Whitaker. I mean, go down the line of, of veteran, Chet Lemon. I mean, you could Tony Phil, I mean, go down, you know, this, this veteran team, in Detroit with Sparky Anderson as the manager. So this was like in the late 80s, early 90s. And I was just out of high school. And those guys were really in it. They were still getting checks from being from the um, previous settlement. Collusion, uh, yeah. The collusion settlement. And I was in the locker room in spring training when they were getting handed two, $300,000 checks. Wow. Lump sum. And I'm going, what's that? You know, I was in high school the year before. <laughs> playing high school baseball in Connecticut and, you know, football. And these guys, I'm in a locker room now with guys getting $250,000 checks. I'm like, what's that for? But they explained to me what it was for. This is earned. This was not just a free gift. Mm -hmm. These were, this was collusion from going back to that book of Lords of the Realm, you know, with the free agents. So anyways, long story short or as short as possible, Swain, um, they taught me those lessons. They were quick to teach me those lessons and they made sure that, if it ever happened with me being a veteran player that I was going to pass it along. I mean, they would do it with force. They would tell you, you need to do this. Like this is not an option for you as a player. You have to pass this down. Um, we've gone, every generation of players gone through too much to make these, to make ground. Um, I wanted to ask you what it's like being a player rep from this perspective you have a job to do for yourself, for your team and your family to get yourself in shape to play and be in the best possible physical and mental condition to play. There is a certain amount of stress, I would imagine, involved with being a player rep. And at the time, you know, 25 years ago, it's not an email chain or a text chain. I mean, you're you're physically picking up the phone and calling everybody and keeping everybody right. and having, you know, what, 25 or 40 different conversations every time right. something happens. What kind of impact 
is that for the people who are charged with being leaders for their union, for their particular team? How much stress did you feel? Yeah, well, you know, the, the benefit, the great thing about back then um, was it was very personable, uh, personal, personable, you know, very um, more intimate amongst the teams and players uh, with the calls. You heard voices or you went to meetings. Um, you f- Stories were told about what players have gone through and you heard their voice and you saw their faces and it was very together there wasn't um there were very few barriers if you will any anything that was that the player association don fear and the spot could bring a team together players together unite so you know there wouldn't be division was i think utilized fully fully and i think the whole thing was personalized like because i was making you know maybe 110,000 say for minimum salary at the time and you know bobby bonilla is making you know multi million dollars mm-hmm. and um we had saberhagen and the mats making million you know that we so i you know and i'm making minimum but i was also hitting third in the lineup you know having my best statistical season so the players looked to me as a young guy with a future a p- possible future in the game Mm-hmm. of being that guy that's you're not making you're not we're doing this for you but they we did it with their arm around you they did it with it was kind of like in a huddle you know if you will like a more more of in a personal huddle and um again it really comes back to there's only a few times you have the hammer the players have it if they if they get divided or fractured it's over over it's over I think that happened actually. I think that, that, you know, the owners have gotten way too much over the years. I mean, that's a personal stance, but sure. the crack was opened. We won't tell anybody who we're going to randomly test people. So like last year or two of my plan, we're just going to test and we're going to test 150 players and it will be random and no one will know within like minutes, the names were leaked to the, you know, all the, the world and people had to go in front of panels. And I was, I was like, Whoa. So as soon as you allow, you know, we knew it. We have fought it. Don't do it. Don't give them an inch because that, that thing will, you know, that door will uh, barge wide open. And it did. Um, you Something you said a minute ago led really leads me into what I wanted to ask you about next. Um, you were a young player who, as you said, had a bright future, but physical issues ended your career at age 31. Yeah. One of the big issues right now is trying to get payers played in their 20s because free yeah. agency it's rare for players to get to free agency before to get there and make that yeah. money and now you know all the numbers tell you don't pay players beyond age 30 so right you're stuck in this little middle ground here sure which, um is completely legal but now right. you're trying to make a system that that benefits the players uh who are producing at a younger age right. so from your perspective how important is as a guy who you know, you produced a great deal in your mm. say mid twenties. Yep. By age thirty-one, your career is over. Over. So over. Yeah. How important is it of an issue for you when this is the crux of what the players want to make you know, to get yeah. to arbitration earlier, to get to free agency earlier, or to keep from being boxed out beyond age thirty? Right. Well, it's a great point because I see the merit of having to pay your dues you know, perform a year after year after year until you get paid. Maybe after four five, six seasons, you might get a multi-year deal if you keep performing. 
there's a lot of merit to that because you have to earn it. Um, and I think, you know, if you get paid before you really, you know, earn it, um, if you're getting paid, it paid, you're, it, you're earning it. But if you know what I'm saying, like if you, you have not yet put four five, six seasons, uh, consecutive years together of just playing 150 games and doing it, um, you really haven't proved you're proving yourself yet. So I knew that I was, uh, person, personally speaking that I had a year to year deal. I didn't even know if I'd be able to play next year, any year. Mm -hmm. So I had to really go all out, try to play, do whatever I could, you know, to play the best in most games, the best I could every year, every game, every night. And I think that benefited me in the long run. Um, and I don't think there, let me just say this one. I don't think there are a lot of good ways to explain guys getting paid out of the shoot. There really aren't, there really isn't. And this is more maybe leans toward, you know, management or whatever, but mm -hmm. there really are not many, if you don't earn it, you change. I've just seen it. You just, mm -hmm. I mean, do you want the money? Yeah. If you can get, and you're going to pay it to me. Okay. I'll take it, you know, as a, obviously, but you got to stay hungry and there's no, Hey, we're going to be honest here. There's no doubt those big contracts keep you, you know, that are just around the corner. They keep you hungry when your wife, you now you're married. Now your wife's pregnant. Now she's pregnant again. Now you want, now you have a mortgage. Okay. As you go along in your twenties into your early thirties, these things are reality. Mm -hmm. And you see the light at the end of the tunnel or next year, or the year after, if you keep playing well and you play hurt and you play every day and you play with passion, you play to win that you get paid for that, that edge can never, if any of that edge is taken away, you will not be as good as you can be. So I, that's just, I mean, that's another way for me to say it, but. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I almost, I, I, and I didn't ask you this ahead of time. I, I, I kind yeah. of need to be on the other side because yeah. your opportunity to earn money was with your yeah. performance in your, in your mid twenties. Yep. Um, so, you know, everything you had to do beyond that, you know, because your career got cut short, yeah. I would have thought you'd have been on the it's other kind side. Of yeah, it's kind of backwards. And then just being on like, it's kind of backwards. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We, we tried <laughs> to ask for a couple multi-year yeah, deals sure, in there sure. and, and just get, kept getting told no. And I said, all right, you know, no, because I understood, you know, I had a health situation where the teams didn't want to invest long-term, perhaps not able to get the insurance taken out on me. Um, it's like an automobile that's, you know, <laughs> so I, I, you know, yeah, I would, I, I could understand where that would be. Okay. I got to get it now or I might never get it. But I also, you know, there's a, just an athlete's a different, you know, there's the competitiveness, there's the, you gotta keep, you gotta play with a chip on your shoulder. I mean, I got the Patriots t-shirt on Brady's still making everyone pay yeah. for being the, not what pick he was he 199th pick yeah yeah, yeah. that yeah. is his chip i mean he's got other chips on his shoulder but sure. that always you i'm gonna make you pay for not picking me you know for all those rounds and he just keeps doing it year after year there's a there, there's an edge an athlete has a, a legitimate edge some guys try to manufacture it and make you know fake but but the, if you get paid and you didn't do it yet and you didn't really you can't you know if you've earned you know, when you look around the league at other players and you say, I really haven't done what he's done yet, what he's done yet, what they've done yet. And I'm getting as, you know, you take the money, obviously, yeah. but you lose a little edge. I, I, you know, the financial aspect is one major component of the negotiation right now. 
But there's another thing that's about the game on the field. I don't know how much of it's going to be addressed mm-hmm. before they get to some sort of a settlement, but you're a good guy to talk to about this because you managed last season with Stockton, mm-hmm. the A-ball affiliate mm-hmm. of the Oakland A's. Yep. And you got to use some of these experimental things that yeah. we yeah. might see moving forward eventually. Right. Let's start with the pitch clock. Okay. You saw it and I saw it. I, I, I read, I didn't think I heard it, but I read yeah. uh, the interview you did with Jason Stark. Jason Stark, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you were a big fan of what this created. Why? Loved it. Loved it. For every every reason, yeah, loved it. I mean, I was a, the kind of player that liked to be playing, you know, behind a pitcher like a shilling in, in Philly who worked fast and threw strikes. Maddox. And when I was in my last year in Atlanta, it was like the games were over before the sun went down in the middle yeah. of summer. You know, I was like the sun's still setting behind home plate, uh, but 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 that was fun. Like like to, to the analogy would be more like a pressing fast break basketball game or a no huddle football mm-hmm. offense where players in motion, athletes in motion tend to w- like to stay in motion, keep the pace going, and they perform better everywhere. Offense, defense, their mind is sharper. Uh, they they're off their feet. They're on and off their feet. You know, quicker. Um, and more often so they can preserve their, their health is better. And there's just, so anyways, this forced, one thing I was trying to do is like a, uh, when I was for a minute, a field coordinator and a farm director, one of the things I tried to implement swing was our pitchers to stay in this before shot. You know, we have the shot clocks now, like, like you're talking about to, to stay in the rubber hitter, stay in the box. So in the minor leagues, we were going to tell our guys, this is kind of what we're looking for. Before there was any clock, because we, we thought there'd be benefits. I saw all that. I loved it. You know, there was not, it was fast, but you know what it made you do? It made you get your son, less signs from a third base coach. So you had to have more flash signs, more preparation before the game, which is probably the right thing to do anyways. Mm-hmm. And so when it happened in the fifth inning, you just go, you know, you just go, you just play. Um, you can't take 20 seconds to get a sign from the third base coach. Mm-hmm. You just you're in the box. The pitcher's throwing. And it was fast, but and, it was and cool. it actually it was aided offense, right? This this aided the offensive yeah. part of the game. Yes, statistically, Jason. When I talked to them, Jason Stark, yeah, he told me that it was a lot more than I thought at the time. Um, I would have thought, you know, defense and pitching and stuff like that, but hitting is rhythm. You know, when you think about it, and you lose rhythm when you step out of the box, you readjust your gloves, you get a long sign from the third base coach, you take a deep breath, you do your gloves again, <laughs> you've lost your rhythm. Tony Gwynn, I, go back to the clocks. So when you think about Tony Gwynn in your mind's eye, yeah. he never left the box. He just yeah. stayed in there. Boom, stayed in. I mean, these good hitters just stay in the box. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, so here's my other question about that. The, the hopeful benefit is a more entertaining product. Right. You were involved in the game and the, in right. the strategy and the idea of winning and losing. And, and the thing I keep coming back to is that, you know, when you're on the field, you don't care if it's entertaining. You, your job is to win. So right. whether it's a long, drawn-out game or a quick, fast-paced game, as long as you win, I mean, right. you're getting your paycheck to win, not to entertain people, so to speak, in, in a manner. Right, right, sure. But yep. as you're watching, you're obviously involved in managing, but could you appreciate a more entertaining product in front of you? Did you get that distinction? It was awesome. Every fan I talked to, they, they, the time between innings kept the fans in the game, uh, but yet they still had enough time to go, you know, get get snacks and a soda and a hot dog and, and come back. But you're going to miss a batter maybe, you know, but it was it was two hours and 20 minutes of of like fast break baseball. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand, you know, I'm, I wasn't a fan of I don't I'm old school. I didn't want a clock. I don't mm-hmm. like the fact, you know, that scared me at the beginning. But what I saw was the entire game benefit. The, from I mean, from A to Z, fans liked it, players liked it, umpires were solid. Um, you really, there, there would be nothing. I, you know, the only thing I was worried about if players couldn't adjust, you know, like say six or seven pitchers would just, they'd get called a ball. And now it's three and two when they, you know, it was two and two and they, they got called for, it's like a balk, you know, if, you're, if you don't throw it in time. Swing, we had like, you know, two or three in the first, when it first started, which wasn't even a lot. And same with the other teams while our hitters were hitting. And and that was it. The players just, I mean, you know, the players, if you just tell them the rules and you stay consistent with the rules, you don't change them. Like, you know, this was consistent. They learn. And all of a sudden players didn't even, it wasn't even in thought. Um, It's too fast. It's not fast enough. Nothing. It was just. Um, again, I think athletes like to be in motion. So, uh, there was really nothing, there's no negative. I was like surprised myself. I felt that way because there was a clock out there, you know, but one of the other things, I guess, um, 
you could speak to a little bit. I don't remember you hitting a lot of ground balls, but you're a left-handed batter. So um, the shift, mm -hmm. are, are you pro-legislation uh, banning the shift? Do you, do you want legislation banning the shift? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not for that the stuff that really even like the three, you know, the, the, the relief pitcher has to pitch three, uh, you know, the lefty coming in or you got to shift that. I think if you want to put nine, got eight guys in this shoulder to shoulder, you can do it, you know, but that's what you're going to give up something, yeah. you know, draft and develop different hitters, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, well, we're all trying to hit home. Well, why, you know, okay. If you're hitting in the shifts, mm -hmm. then in pro sports, then the next person has to adjust. Pitcher does this, hitter adjusts. Hitter does this, pitcher adjusts. Defense. So I don't like being dictated um, or having it dictated how I would manage a game. If I want to bring in a, a pitcher for one, one, one batter, that's my prerogative. Now, but I'm wasting a roster spot. Yeah. Not wasting it, but, you know, he doesn't have much value otherwise, except for one left. So I'm, I got to make a set to get something. I'm also giving you something. I think when you start trying to manipulate players and how they would manage a game, uh, how managers manage a game, even with the instant replay and stuff like that, how many things you can throw out there um, or not challenge and all that, you know, that changes the um, decision-making. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the clock is a different deal. That's like the whole game. You know, everyone's got yeah. this clock in front of them. We all play by it. The umpire's umpire by it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, no, the, the shift – I just say be a good hitter. Be a good hitter first. I mean, you know, I mean, Charlie Lau, his first thing in his 10 fundamentals was be a good hitter first before power. Be a good hitter first. All right. So that's going to lead me into this next one. You saw you, you had a year under your belt watching a ball players last year. And, you know, I think one of the things that stick in the craw of people who consider themselves old school versus what you're seeing now and the product you're seeing now is that mm -hmm. you're being taught players are being taught how to swing and throw not necessarily how to hit and pitch yeah you understand yeah. what i mean yeah well um, very well said yeah is that is that what you're seeing and is there yeah. a way to fix it yeah i mean it's it's a it's very well phrased and said by you swing i think uh there is a lot of that yeah no doubt they're not i saw even our guys low a you know with the oakland a's this past season managing our team strikeouts happen and not be bothered by it there are times when you don't might not be bothered by it there are other times or a lot of times it should bother you i mean um okay we'll say well reeks old you know he's 50 grew up then these players are 30 years younger and it's now yeah. Not really. I mean, the fundamentals of the game, if you don't tinker with the fundamentals, you know, and change a million rules, which might be happening, <laughs> but uh, it really, um, you got to put pressure on the defense. The, 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 the odds of scoring a point go up when you get to first base. They go up more when you get to second and they go up more when you get to third. So when you take the, the if you really want to get statistical analysis involved, you got to get on base to score. Now you can launch homers, okay, but you know that's a very unpredictable. Um, you know it's tough to determine in math. You get thirty of them a year. I mean, but when do they come? I mean, and you're a highly analytical guy. I mean, this is part yeah. of your job with the Angels yeah. too. I mean, you yeah. you dove into these. You're not you're not bah humbug on the analytics. Oh no, you're all in. I'm into it. 
Yeah, I'm into it. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, but, but, but it's what part of the math are you into? So what I learned was, is, okay, you win a game by scoring another one more point than the other team. We play a game every day. So our job is to try to win that game that day. Not tomorrow, you know, we, we keep it in mind, but we're trying to win a game. If we're playing cards, me and you are playing chess tonight, Swain. There's a game. You try to win it, I try to win it. I don't want to lose, you don't want to lose. So that's the same thing. So what I need to do to win that game tonight is, is score more points than the other guy. And you stop runs, you know, preventative pitching defense, or you score them by getting on base and coming around. Now, a home run's a great way to score runs, and it's part of the equation. But I, I tried to find ways – you know, we had all these stats, but what were what were the important stats to us? And, you know, and with Sosha and uh, we had players like Trout and Pujols, a great team sure. back in 2015 and, you know, uh, with the Angels. You know, made the playoffs, won 98 games. And but that team was a get on base, move them first to third, yeah. occasionally yeah. launch, obviously. But Trout was more of a threat to hit a double in the gap and go first to third or score from first on Pujols' base hit or double. You know, that was how the team, when we pitched, caught the ball. It was a one-run team. You play – you're going to – yeah, I'm into the stats, but, you know, you have to decide what stats are for you. Otherwise, you're everything to all, you know, all people. And what's now you're not differentiating yourself from the opponent. I'm going to get back to the managing thing in a second, but you know what – uh, as well as I do what January means in baseball, it's hall of fame season, right? Yep. Uh, a yep. lot of discussion about the players in the ballot. It gets pushed deeper into the month. Now it used to be the first week in January you'd find out, but they've made it right. an entire month's worth of news and for better or for worse, this is what we discuss in January in baseball. And actually one way it's better. I think every player on the ballot gets time to be digested and you look at, mm -hmm. and there mm -hmm. are players. I, I've always said this Rico. I say, Getting to look at a player and study his career is the reward. We right. don't know who the automatic Hall of Famers are. You know, you yeah, don't need a ballot to tell us that yeah. Hank Aaron or Willie Mays or Derek Jeter or whoever is a Hall of Famer, right? Right. But when you're looking at a ballot and saying, hmm, I wonder if mm -hmm. Uh, Kurt Schilling deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I wonder if Bobby Abreu deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yep. When you study yep. those guys, I yep. say that's the reward because yeah. the player gets that. Not every yeah. player gets to have that breakdown. With all this in mind, Kurt Schilling is a very divisive figure for a number of reasons. Putting that aside, you were his teammate for a few years, a few very yeah. good years in Philadelphia. I yeah. think you were there probably, if, even if you weren't within shouting distance, it was probably relayed to you the quote that Ed Wade had when he said that Kurt's a horse out of you know, he's, he's a horse in the day he pitches and he's a horse's ass every, you know, the other. <laughs> yeah. I was there. I think for that. Yeah. So, um, and nobody's ever disputed that that was misquoted. <laughs> it was, you know, I, I think everybody's understood. I love, I love playing with him. Great as a team. teammate. Yes. As his yeah. teammate. What, what can you tell people? Oh, great teammate. Uh, and you know, you didn't want the ball in anybody else's hand in a big spot. He was, I mean, you know, you hear that and you say, but this was true. I mean, the bigger the moment, the brighter the spotlight, he was better. Um, and he was good anyways, obviously. But he would come to me. This is a, you know, we got, I, I got along with him great. And I, you know, because we were very just guys that wanted to just win games. Compared, you know, our focus was just what can we do to be good on this team and help us win? And, you know, so we got along great. And, um, you know, and he actually um, – got me introduced to some computer up on another 
tangent or story is he got me introduced to computers when it was kind of all starting, you know, in the nineties. So, um, and he was already making computer games. I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, anyways, he would tell me, uh, Hey, if everything stays as is, you know, no rainouts, no, nothing gets in the way in about 10 or my two starts from now, I'm going to go up against Randy Johnson or, you know, I got saves. If, if, if three, my three starts out, man, it's going to be a great me and Pedro up in Montreal. Right. I mean, he, this dude, he was on it. Yeah. And that's how we thought. We thought, Hey, next weekend as we, as hitters next week in Atlanta, we get, we're going to, we're going to miss Maddox, but we're going to see Smoltz, <laughs> Glavin and, you know, you know, whoever you met, you're still going to get three hall of famers or two. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's kind of how the position players felt because, and so, so Shill, in my humble opinion, great starting pitchers. Uh, I always thought were, were part of the team like a player was. Maddox was like that. I mean, he wanted to play shorts. If the days he didn't pitch, he was still on the field taking, you know, Schilling was out there taking ground balls, fly. He wanted to be like, they were in the game every day, love baseball. And Schilling was that guy. So he was always like, um, but he didn't miss any, he, again, to the spotlight thing, the bigger, the moment, the better he was. That's, you know, he said, all right, that, you know, Pedro in two starts from now, what, a, what a, that's going to be the whole country's going to be watching that game. You know, he, he magnified it to get himself. He knew he was good in those big moments. Um, but great teammate, really smart. He watched video. He's doing all that before other guys and computers. Brilliant. Even the stats, you know, the math, he just, you know, I can get a fat, if I can throw a fastball, if I can command a fastball away, they can't beat me. And he's just a brilliant guy who could simplify things. And, you know, that's why he was great. And he could execute. I'm curious. I, I remember this. I saw this firsthand. I know my experience with it. I, I happened to be in the clubhouse pregame one day on a day he was starting and I saw him come out of his locker and he's not even like, he doesn't even see me or anybody else in his way. He's taking these giant steps toward me and I had to move or else he was just going to run me over <laughs> the zone he was in. Yes. I, I know that's what he was like with media in the clubhouse. And yes. it was good to media in the clubhouse, but pregame they starts. I yeah. know he's trying to ignore us. Is he ignoring yeah. you too? Can you converse with him or you just leave him alone? Leave him alone. Yeah. No game day. You knew when he was pitching. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, no. He was a different guy. I mean, he was in his locker. It was quiet. He was maybe video. He would maybe say one or two things about uh, how he's going to pitch a player. And he want, Hey, Reek, I'm going to pitch him in. You might want to play a couple steps pull side. You know, he, so we didn't even have to get this, the dot plots from the front <laughs> office. Schilling yeah. knew how he wanted you to play a guy, which says something also, mm -hmm. um, you know, great pitchers with command and control. They know their plan. They can tell players where to play rather than getting told. Right, pitch, right, right. So there's something to that too. Um, so he's a great leader. Knew what he, you know, he could do everything, a game plan, execute it, and he was very focused on game day because he had taken all the, he'd internalized all this information, and he knew he had to when it, when the output needed to be simple. So you t it's like a computer. You put all this stuff in there, and you know, coding and data, and you need the uh, printout to be simple because I got to throw a pitch. You know, and, uh, and and he was focused. You didn't really want to be around him on game day until, until the game happened. Then you wanted, you know, because he was a gamer. Another guy that's on the bout that you were a teammate with is Scott Rowland. Yeah. And 
he's gaining some momentum. And I do believe that there is going to be a day within the next, I'm going to guess with sometime within the next three years, Wow. Then he's going to get his day. I, I believe yeah. just based off of what we're seeing and you know the, the ballot's going to clear out soon and you know, a brighter yep. light will get to shine on him. The yep. question I I hear most often as a as a negative, as, as a as a reason people wouldn't want to vote for him or see him yeah. in the Hall of Fame is, well, when you were watching Scott Rowland, did you really think you were watching one of the best players in the game? And right. and I remember saying. I remember watching Scott Rowland pretty closely, 97, 98, 99, yeah, early wow. in his career. It's amazing, right? yeah. I mean, yeah, my answer is yeah. yes. I thought I was watching one of the, the best player on the field and one of the best players in the game based on what he did on both sides, how he yeah. threw his body around on that turf and still got up and performed yeah. the way he did. You know a lot about that. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. I, I don't know what you think, Rico, but I was watching him saying, yeah, that's yeah. one of the best players in the game. Yeah. I, well, you know, I think about what would it have been like I played against George Brett at the end of his career, third baseman. It, during his early years as a pro, could really run. He could play defense. He could hit. He could hit for power. He had a dynamic personality. He was a team leader. You know, so I think of George Brett with Scott Rowland, you know, kind of the same. Even Mike Schmidt, you know, I mean, it's just talk about Schmidt, he could run. He could play defense, hit, hit for power, was clutch, was a leader. Um, and definitely Rowland you know, playing with him for the four years in Philly, I never been around a player with that kind of that kind of ability before. But, that, so I say yes. I mean, the only thing about the Hall of Fame is you health is part of it. So right. it's like a Mattingly, unfortunately, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, right? Don Mattingly or Scott Rowland. But if if it's one of those things where maybe you don't, you're not that guy long enough. Correct. Because the health, become, well, then that's if you're not on the field, some you're not on the field. Yeah. And that's part of it. I understand that, you know, totally. But his ability, I mean, was, you know, the, the other players and the other teams swing, you know, when like bag, we go down the cage, we're playing the Astros and we're taking flips at three o'clock in the afternoon. And there's Bagwell and Biggio, you know, and, and Ken Caminetti as we're switching cages, they're hitting. And then we go to flip. We talk, we know each other, you know, it's the game's four hours from now. They're like that rolling guy. I mean, when he was young, you know, in 97, mm-hmm. 8, and 9, he was still yeah. young. Mm-hmm. First, second, third year. Yeah. They just, I mean, guys like that, you know, the other, the best players on the other teams were, were like, wow, that guy. And I mean, the Braves, Chippers, like, mm-hmm. Rollins a stud, dude. Maddox used to tell me, you know, Maddox is like, you know, so that's the biggest compliment when you get, when you get that kind of praise from other players. I just think yeah hall of fame i don't know all the statistics again i haven't looked at his i know basically but um you know you got to be on the field for a long time it's a combination it's not just play for a long time correct and it's not just a short you know don mattingly maybe i mean Mm -hmm. i love mattingly so i wish he was in but you know three more years of that so it's kind of it's an elite group you made a great point just being talked about in the conversation is, is, is a great reward. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's that's the reward. I tell people that a lot. Um, but I, I feel like my other thing about Roland is that he ended up playing long enough to attain. Yeah, not he, he didn't attain the automatic numbers, right. but he played long enough to get like his his. He actually looks very similar to Edgar Martinez uh-huh. um, with homers and doubles. Uh-huh. And you yeah. added the fact this is the other part. The and I, you, you were a really good defender. Right, oh, Scott so was valued defense, and you saw oh. what Scott Rowland was defensively. I don't think you know we love to ding people for not being defenders, like Edgar oh had to wait because he was a DH only, right? Well, yes, Scott Rowland won eight gold gloves and threw his body around like a like a full best, like, a, like a linebacker playing third yeah, base. Best right? I've ever seen by far. Yeah, I mean, you can the great ones. There's other great ones. Yeah, and you know, but he there was no one better at playing third base, there just it couldn't be. It's not possible to be better than Scott defensively. It, there just can't be that. You can't be better than that. I mean, you could be as good, and there were many that were in that same breath. Or not many, but there's a few. Mm-hmm. You know, Nolan Arenado and, you know, Brooks Robinson. You can go to Mike Schmidt, even, you know, George Brett. I mean, there's – but there's no way. I mean, I can think about it now. There's no way I can even imagine – anyone even being a, a, a whisker better than him at defensive third base that loved to be that good, that couldn't wait to show you how good he was yeah. and that thrived off making that play too, which, you know, that's all part of it. That's one of the reasons why he was that great, but his athleticism and tools, shortstop playing third, you could throw it all out, whatever you want to say. Um, he threw, the, I still have numbness on cold days like today. On this in this thing, uh, I'm showing that we're doing audio, but yeah. my my uh, ring, uh, my uh, index finger on my glove hand, you know, where I caught his throws, literally half of my finger will go numb today if I go outside in, in cold weather because of him. Really, I had to put pads on my glove, <laughs> little you know, pads, double pad it behind the leather because of one player, wow. know, Scott. Yep, because he threw the ball like that. All right, so maybe one day you'll get to manage a player like that and, and kind of marvel at it. But here's, here's my last thing for you, Rico, getting back to, you know, you, as I said earlier, you managed an a ball this year, this past yep. season. Um, and you've had kind of this weird post playing career over the last 20 years. You yep, took it out of a lot of different things. <laughs> you've been coaching yep. high school football and basketball, college yep. football. Uh, you've, yep. You've been, I think, like a hitting coach at one level, and then you know uh, you've, yep. you've been in the major league level with uh, with the Angels. Angels, uh, yeah. So majors, minors, college, high school. You've gone yeah. a lot of different places. All over scouting. And, yeah, mm-hmm. right. And for a couple of different places, and for like a couple of years at a time. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. my question to you is: Now you're managing again. Yeah. Um, do you want to be a big league manager? Is there a level of saying, okay, I found something that I want to commit to, or that I think I can really sink my teeth into for the next yeah. over many years. There's going to be, there weren't very many jobs open this cycle, 
but right. there's going to be another cycle coming soon where, you know, right. seven, eight jobs are opening up. Yeah. Opening. Yes, sir. Do you Absolutely. Want to be one of those guys? Oh, I would definitely love to manage. Yeah. The, the, um, the next best thing to playing is managing. And it might even be, it's, it's like, you know, it's obviously a little different than playing, but there's kind of nothing like playing. I mean, just, you know, playing is the ultimate. And that'll always be true at supposed the big league level. I don't think that'll ever be surpassed, even though managing you could probably come close. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would love, I love it. I mean, I, I find it fascinating. I love being a quarterback. I like coaching quarterbacks. I like, you know, that football part of things. Mm-hmm. Um, being a point guard, you know, kind of uh, being a manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Philadelphia, Sweeney, you were there, so you saw how good Terry Francona was with yeah. us. As a, as a manager and a player, he was personable, but he could put his foot down. He just had it. He had it. He had it. And he still has it, you know, and, and um, that, that I learned so much from Tito. And I would love someday to have that kind of influence on individual players and a team as a manager, because there's only a few opportunities to do it. And managing is one of the few. I mean, they're impossible jobs to get. But I mean, think of the positive impact that like a guy, Terry, um, you know, you, I mean, whomever you can think of Sosha, you know, uh, you go down the line, LaRusso, the, the ones that even now Buck Showalter's had such a great influence on players, you know, with the Mets and Bobby Cox playing for him. But like I see Tito and I say, I want to, I would love to do that. Selfishly. I would love to be Tito for four years, managing a team. And uh, I say four years. I'm, do it forever yeah. but you know like i played for him for four years yeah and uh the impact he had on me as a person and a player and more you know both i guess because you spend so much time together you know you carry with you for life and uh, i want to win a world series i want i want to win like that is selfish mm-hmm. i want to win a world series i didn't do it as a player um came close as a coach with the angels we made the playoffs Mm-hmm. a few years ago um but i haven't gotten a world series ring i want to win one <laughs> i don't know how else to say it you yeah. know it's so i mean you know yeah that would be yeah so when they're, they're gonna be an amazing job they're impossible to get but coaching is great I mean, nothing like managing yeah i mean you're right there there are only 30 of them you know so they don't yeah and but as i said but, there's going to be a cycle where six or seven of them open up at once you you want to you want to get in that mix some some uh at some point yeah right? And I've done, you know, I've done a lot of different things. I mean, that's, that's positive and negative, you know, so you could say it was stick with one thing and go, go, go for 20 years, or I've scouted, I've been in it, you know, the, I've been that dating, you know, like Kase, I did what he did. I did what Rojas did with the Mets, you know, all these guys I did, you know, Phil in Milwaukee, you know, like council and stuff like they were before they managed, um, seeing all sides of it, coaching, scouting, managing, playing, um, that's what I bring to the table, I guess, if I could, you know, you know, p- pump it up a little bit here, but, but that also, I understand, you know, I've been in and out of things too, and I haven't been able to sustain value at maybe one position long enough. So I, you know, I, I'm not, you know, ego wasn't such that I don't see both sides of it, but I know one thing, like when I played, I want to win tonight and then tomorrow I want to win that game, you know, so I'd take that same approach as a manager and would love, love to get a chance to do it. Um, just to be around a team, being on a team like that, there's nothing, 
a season with a team, especially if you get to be a manager. I mean, just being on a team is amazing, but that would be awesome. My thanks again to Rico Bronia, who now at 52 possesses the playing background, the coaching background, and the analytic background to put himself in the mix for managerial positions in the near future. If you're new here, please check out the 30 with Murdy archive. Check out recent conversations like the one I have with filmmaker Andrew Bergman, whose works include the classics Fletch and Blazing Saddles. Also, my talk with Dennis Quaid, veteran of several sports movies, or my chat with Amber Sabathia, a baseball wife turned player agent. Check out all these episodes and more at Odyssey, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and review and all that jazz. And until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.